Welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell. I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer. I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs, and I've been in business for the past 28 years. All right, today I've got a question for you for my people out there that do cardio, which is hopefully all of you. And this can somewhat apply to my folks in the gym too. And um, you've been listening to this long enough. I hope that you know that both gym training, meaning weight training, strength training, and cardio are essential. So my question is, do you want to be fast now or later? I read that in a book. A, uh, a coach actually asked their athlete that. And what they meant was, do you want to be fast right now in practice or do you want to be fast when it counts in a race and I like that that's a good way to get your athletes attention or get yourself's attention or get myself's attention and this can apply to a couple different things actually it could apply to the way it was used in that case which is that you can really uh, gut yourself and work super hard and try to stay up with your teammates in practice when it really doesn't count for anything and you're doing that at the sake of better recovery later because you want your ego to feel good when maybe they're doing something else or what or it can apply to this is how I'm going to use this more because I think it's more um, well we all practice, we all train people that exercise. So I don't want to say that it's not like high school track practice. Uh, maybe some of us or most of us aren't doing that anymore because we're adults, but we still practice. So this will apply to, uh, to two different circumstances and I'll explain them. How about that? That's better than to just uh, sit here and make zero sense early on and trying to explain what I'm going to explain. Let me take the first part, which is I think maybe the most critical part. Have you ever run in a 5K? Any people that have ever done a 5K or watched their family run in a 5K? One of the things you notice at almost every single event where there's kids is the kids, middle school, younger, usually, not usually high school, they've learned their lesson by then, but just take off like this 5k which for those that don't know is 3.1 miles so that's a distance race they take off like it's a 100 meter sprint they take off like man that prize is right down the road and i'm going to sprint to it and then if you're a seasoned veteran you're sitting back and you you're taking the old turtle approach and you're going out at the pace that you know you should and uh you feel really bad for the kids because once they kind of bonk and start walking and holding their sides and, you know, I mean, in some cases I've seen kids cry and, you know, want to be off the course and all that. And, uh, you know, it's the parents probably should have told them, but, you know, what can you do? Kids are going to do what they're going to do. In any event, you've seen that. And sometimes or a lot of times we see that with older people, too, meaning not kids. And maybe it's not so extreme. Maybe they don't just jump out of the gate like it's a 100-meter sprint and they, you know, bonk a quarter mile up the road if they make it that far. 
but maybe they start dying what we call the slow death at about a mile in and they ran their best mile their first mile only to really have to struggle and be broken down into their easy let me just get through this pace and then not feel so hot about their finish well I think any of us that have done 5Ks, 10Ks, marathons, anything, anything with any endurance in it, have all been through this. Here's the good news. There's a way out, and I want to explain it from a perspective of physiology, because why? There's a method to the madness, that's why. I like to explain why these things occur. In the case of kids, it's really not so much this, because they don't have really a, uh, a trained anaerobic system yet. And so really what happens with them is partly they go out way too fast and they're starting to have some of the physiological um, consequences to that. But not like adults do, it's more like kind of a mental thing. They had no idea what was uh, in front of them and uh, they ran out and they just basically didn't really have the gas to go much further, at least at any kind of um, consistent tempo, because what a lot of adults don't understand, and this includes gym teachers and unfortunately people that should understand, is that kids prepubescent don't have a trained aerobic system yet, meaning they have a really hard time doing anything with continuity with regarding exercise, which is why we uh, professionals like to teach the professionals how to better train prepubescent kids, which is do things like little circuits, um, brief activities with rest in between because that's what their body and minds are mature enough to handle. But this isn't about that. You know, I just feel bad for the kids that that happens to because uh, you know, um, it might just make them hate these things and then when they get older they think it's going to be like that and in reality it's not. But, it, but again, that's not what this is about but I think watching the kids go out and kind of blow up like that is a good illustration of what I'm trying to get across. Now, the reason why it happens to us that have pretty mature anaerobic systems and aerobic systems, okay, is because we run into what is called oxygen deficit, all right? As John Lennon once famously said, instant karma is gonna get you. In other words, the body is going to pay you back. We only got what we got fitness-wise. So what that means is our systems are designed. So our energy systems, there are three are designed to provide more ATP, adenosine triphosphate, to the working muscles. So we have a currency. We have a currency that our body spends to keep physically going forward. And the currency in the body is adenosine triphosphate. We only store enough in each little muscle for like two seconds. That's nothing. So what ends up happening is we have a system, we have three systems in fact, that are in our body to help keep producing ATP so we can keep going. I'm gonna do these very briefly. The immediate energy system is literally intramuscular, meaning 
there isn't a great metabolic system that provides more ATP. It's intramuscular. So the ATP is broken down again in a couple seconds. It rejoins with its buddy creatine phosphate. You see athletes that take creatine, that's why they probably don't realize that's why, but that's why. And the creatine forms with the broken down ADP and makes more ATP. All that happens within eight to 12 seconds, which is not relevant in an aerobic event like a 5K or long distance swim or bike or whatever. I'm just explaining the energy systems and I'm not trying to turn this into biochemistry. The second system is the anaerobic system. And the anaerobic system provides energy for roughly 30 to 90 seconds, so it's brief. When you're at the gym and you're doing a set of leg extensions and your muscles start breaking down and start fatiguing because they're running out of energy, your body is using the anaerobic system to provide more energy. That's great. The problem is with that comes lactic acid and then you start feeling the lactic acid which is a byproduct of anaerobic energy and your muscles start slowing down and suddenly come to a stop somewhere around 90 seconds or so if you're taking the exercise to fatigue. That's the anaerobic energy system. The aerobic energy system lasts anywhere from two minutes to as long as all day. It's the constant source of energy and where you're burning mostly fat in the system. Now normally we're not in any one system. We're in and out of all these systems. Let's say you're doing your 5K and all of a sudden, and this happens or it happens when you're training, all of a sudden a snake jumps out the road. Hey, I saw it just the other day riding my bike down the path. So all of a sudden you veer a little bit one direction to miss it and you sprint because you're startled and the adrenaline's pumping, you sprint out of the way. You maybe, uh, after the fact, you're huffing and puffing a little, that's because you went into that immediate energy system, which is very brief. Or maybe you're getting to a hill and you're climbing that hill and your muscles are starting to burn. Now you're bouncing higher into that anaerobic energy system, which you can only do for a short period of time, remember, 30 to 90 seconds. So you're kind of in a little bit of both, but you're definitely teetering more towards the anaerobic system. So you get over the hill, you slow down a little bit, you get back into majority aerobic system. Now pretty much the only time you're almost in your aerobic system entirely is when you're at rest, like right now. But even still, I'm borrowing a little bit from the anaerobic system. We're never completely in one. All right, all this hopefully is gonna make sense in a minute. So when you're doing a 5K, I'm just gonna use a 5K as an example and you start out at an unrealistic pace. Well, what's an unrealistic pace? Well, an unrealistic pace is a pace you've never run for the duration of a 5K before. So your aerobic pace is basically the pace that you can do, your best pace you can do for 3.1 miles. So say you go out faster than that because you're feeling good. You think, oh, this feels pretty good, like I got this but you're only a half mile in, three quarters of a mile in, maybe a mile in. Well, sure you've got this because it's the first mile, but if it's unrealistic, as John Lennon said, instant karma is gonna get you because somewhere a little bit past, maybe a mile and a half, you start slowing down. 
Why are you slowing down? Because you're in an oxygen deficit. And just like a deficit with your bills or whatever, you've got to pay it back. So now your body is pulling from the anaerobic system. Well, it borrowed from the anaerobic system early on to get you up to that speed. And now your body is slowing you down to balance everything out. That's how it works. That's an oxygen deficit. So if you want to avoid that, the key is to really, really know yourself, know what pace you should run, and know, I mean, it helps to have the Garmin's and pay attention to the watches. Yes, all that. But guess what? I've had all of those things plus a heart rate monitor and still have gone out too fast and all of a sudden start slowing down. And it's one thing if you're slowing down and everything evens out and you run your best race, but typically you do not run your best race. And you're not running faster later like you want to because don't you actually wanna feel relatively fit crossing the finish line? Or do you want to feel like it was the worst 30 or so minutes, whatever, of your life? Now, granted, there's a happy medium. You know, nothing's black or white. If you go out slower than the pace you know you can run, then you feel disappointed because you have way too much gas in the tank in that final mile or mile and a half. And we see that too with the inexperienced kids. You know, they come flying the last hundred yards like it's a sprint and, you know, okay, great, but that probably means they left a lot of time out on the run course. Now, I gotta back up you know, and say, all of this is dependent on if you want to run your best race. If you don't, then who cares? Walk it, run it, do whatever you want, and fly the, fa the fastest 100 yards of your life at the end to look like the superhero coming across the finish line. That's great, I mean, that doesn't matter. What I'm talking about is trying to explain from a physiological standpoint what happens in your body and there's just basically no way around it your body is going to pay you back so if you want to be your best aerobically you really need to learn to stay below what we call just below that anaerobic threshold where your body isn't crossing too far into that anaerobic zone to where it's going to pay you back so for example let's say you can run a nine minute mile. That's the your best aerobic pace. Like you can run a nine minute mile, you can do that for a 5K, you can go slightly slower than that for a 10K, slightly slower for, than that in a half marathon. That, that's like your aerobic pace. They shouldn't be these huge changes in pace. If they are, you just don't know your pace yet, and that's okay. But let's say it's a nine minute mile, but you're feeling good, you're feeling energetic, and even worse, you got your buddies from work lining up with you at this local 5K. So you bust out of the chute, and you look down at your watch, and a half mile in, you're running like an 8.15 pace. So 45 seconds per mile faster than you know you can run aerobically, and you think, damn, this training has worked. My coach Rob is freaking phenomenal. He is the best, man. I can't believe I have taken this time off of my 5K. And you get to that first mile and you notice, 
oh, I'm running yeah, a little bit slower than I was when I was feeling euphoric at the half mile point, but I'm still like an 830. I'm feeling pretty good, but I'm so much faster than I thought. And then all of a sudden, you know that song, the wheels fell off the bus? Well, there it goes. Somewhere around a mile and a half, all of a sudden you're slower than your goal pace. You're not even at the nine you wanted to run. You're like at a, a 9.15. Like, oh no. Well, you know, that's okay because I'm going to balance out what I did that first mile with what I did this mile. And I'm still going to be, you know, right around 18. Because then you hit mile three. And so now that little 45 second window you had has gone in the opposite direction because all deficits have to get paid back. So now you're running like a 9.45, an exact 45 second difference. And now you're like, oh, this is terrible. I hate him. Rob sucks. He's a terrible coach. I don't know what I'm doing training. I pay this guy money. Oh my God, this 5K was a horrible idea. I'm not anymore fit. And you cross the finish line. You walk up to me. You give me the finger. And uh, naturally, I'm trying to have a little fun here, but I think you get the point. And the, the truth is that that's what happens. So if you go, say, 45 seconds faster than you should, you're going to be paying that 45 seconds back. The beauty is if you go five seconds faster, you're only going to be paying about five seconds back, and that's not that bad. You don't die that slow death. So really, it's about learning how to pace yourself and understanding how to be realistic with your times. And you can find that out by simply, again, I'm using 5Ks as an example, but this could be for swimming. This could, you know, now in triathlon, it's pretty cool. I had a friend that uh, did St. Anthony's, uh, a big triathlon over in uh, St. Petersburg over the weekend. And they, she shared her splits with me. And it's really cool. Like they show you your their swim time and of course the swim is a little subjective because it's harder to measure water but they get it really really close and they break their um their their swimming paces down into 100 meters like in other words like what was your pace per 100 and you know that's really cool so that would kind of be like what your mile pace would be almost like in a 5k so i can look at that and go oh wow like 142 one minute and 42 seconds per hundred. And I, and I can relate to that because I swim. So I'm like, oh, wow, that, that's a good pace. So really it's the same for the water too. Like if, if you're in a triathlon or an open water swim and you know you can swim basically like uh, uh, 100 meters in about two minutes, then all of a sudden you jump out really, really fast because you're excited and you want to stay with all the faster swimmers. And you know, that all this is so common, by the way. I'm not making fun of anybody to do it because we all do it. I'm just trying to explain what happens from a physiological standpoint. So all of a sudden you jump out and, and there's they don't know. I mean, maybe in the pros they do, but for us amateurs, they don't know. They don't break down what your first 100 was and all that. They're just averaging it all out. I'm just using this as an example. But say your first 100 or 200, you were at like 90 seconds instead of two minutes. Well, you're going to pay that back. You know, the second half of the swim, you're going to be going like two minutes and 30 seconds per hundred to pay it back. So if you went over 30 seconds over your hundred pace, you're going to be 
minus 30 seconds the second round. So the key is really, really finding that pace because what happens is, again, the more anaerobic you get, the more lactate you're producing. And the more lactate you're producing, the more you're going to be slowing down. That's just what happens. You know it when you're doing weight training and you're doing a leg extension or you're doing bicep curls and all of a sudden you start feeling that lactate and you, and you keep going. You know it doesn't just get better. The lactate keeps getting acutely worse and worse and worse until you stop. Well, when we're running or cycling, there's just more of a gradual buildup of it. It doesn't come on so fast, but it does come on because it is a physiological side effect of movement. So the more we move or the more intense we move, the more lactate we're going to have. It's, it doesn't just go away. It doesn't go away. You know, in a leg extension, you have the benefit of being able to just stop. And as soon as you stop, the burn goes away, right? Well, it's not like it acutely builds up when you're running a 5K and all of a sudden, oh, my legs burn, my legs burn. No, what you're going to feel instead of your legs, you're going to feel kind of heavy. You're going to have labored breathing because they're all correlated to each other. So the more anaerobic we get, the more we start to hyperventilate and then we're producing more carbon dioxide and then that is going to slow us down. So they all go hand in hand. So the moral of the story is this, don't get led astray by your ego, by other people, by getting excited. These are all things that can do it. Like you're excited and you think, I got this and you run out really, really fast, you know, and you're like, hmm, that guy over there always beats me significantly in a race, but yet I'm running with him the first half mile. Well, you didn't just get that much faster. Now, if you're new to this, new to these things, sure, maybe you have, but when you're experienced, no, it's just he's being disciplined or she's being disciplined and pacing themselves, and you just got carried away with yourself. You're gonna pay it back, that's the only point. Now, if you wanna pay it back, that's okay. I mean, it's not the end of the world. You're still out there running, you're still out there training, you're still out there swimming, you're still out there cycling. I'm just trying to help you be better so you can have a better event, like it a little bit better, and do your best. And it's a hard lesson to learn. You have to realistically know yourself. That's humility. What pace can you run? What have you been doing in training? You're never going to be able to match your fastest mile for three miles. That's not going to happen. So instead, just be realistic. Set the pace early and try the best you can to hold it. Now, I'll wrap this up by saying we're all different. I have a client who he's become a great 5K runner in his, uh, he's a master's runner. He started distance running as a, uh, a master's athlete, which is over 40 and he's actually over 50. And we've tried different strategies with him. He's tried the even mile like I'm talking about, which I'm suggesting. And uh, he feels like he goes faster if he just goes for broke and goes all out in the first mile and then slows down the next two. He feels like overall that's his best race. Okay, right now that's been the strategy. It's, you know, he knows he doesn't feel great the third mile. I think later on he may find once he learns himself a little bit better and, you know, works on technique and thing that, that he can bounce that in a little bit and he might still have his best mile as his first mile, but maybe it won't be so drastic. Maybe it'll just be a little bit faster than his mile two. The key is we just don't want big extremes. So yes, everybody is different, but ideally the best way to run your best race are even split miles. 
when um, I haven't done a half marathon in a really really long time. It's been a, it's been a while. When I was doing all those different distances, the half marathon was probably my best race. I did a good job of just balancing the miles. I knew where I needed to be, and I was able to stay within five seconds of that per mile. Unless there was big hills or something, then it would adjust. But in flats, I was able to stay within that, within five seconds. And, and I ended up having my best races. I was, you know, I just felt really consistent. And then I would have 5Ks where, even though it's a shorter race, where there'd be like a minute between the miles. And that's not an ideal way to have your best race. I mean, you still would like to try to keep them within five seconds. So why does that happen? Same reason I described earlier, excitement, uh, ego, uh, not knowing myself well at the time, whatever. But it's not a great strategy, okay? So, term of the day, oxygen deficit. What you borrow from must get paid back. It's a physiological law. And by the way, there's a difference between that and oxygen debt. Uh-oh. What is oxygen debt? Well, you have to wait till next time because today is oxygen deficit. But I will tell you this, it is two different things, but both of them have to be paid back. I want to thank our sponsors, Jonathan and Lynn Gilden at the Gilden Group at Realty Pros. You know, they're the best. You talk about athletes. These, both, these two are very, very good athletes. They have the most reviews, five-star reviews on Zillow, and they have over 100 million sold between the two of them. Their goal is to provide the highest level of customer service. And you know what? Check out the reviews because it is absolutely backed up. If you need them, please give them a shout. Jonathan or Lynn, I know them. I can vouch for them. 386-451-2412. And until next time, be max fit and be max well.